who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. IGN Playlist is a new home to your game library. Rate games, share lists, and log your game time, powered by How Long to Beat. Sign up for early access today at playlist.ign.com. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is a sort of a bonus beyond, I could say. This is, of course, Podcast Beyond IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we cover all the latest and greatest in the world of PlayStation. Normally, we air on Wednesdays, and there will still be a normal episode of Beyond this week for you to listen to, covering all the news of the week. But we're sort of doing a bonus episode this week, because I wanted to be able to deliver this news to you all there first. Uh, We have a lot of new details about Horizon Forbidden West because I've played about four hours of it. Uh, ahead of launch, I was I was fortunate enough to be able to play four hours of, of Forbidden West, some of the early sections of the game, and, and something a little bit later. Uh, and so I wanted to sort of break down the details, answer some questions perhaps my wonderful panel has for me, since we can't ask you for questions just yet, uh, and dig into the game a little bit ahead of, you know, its launch at the end of February, next month, February 18th. Uh, so before we get into all of that stuff, I'm joined this week by Mark Medina. One could say this is a bonus episode, but should one? That's the question we're going to answer today. We're going to spend 50 mm-hmm. minutes on just that alone. Uh, and to help us answer that question, we're also joined by Lucy O'Brien. Hello. I am so excited to be here. This is my most anticipated game of this year. Nothing is going to top it. I'm so thrilled to hear everything, <laughs> Dornot. Mm-hmm. Very happy to have you here as well. It's been a while, but glad to have you back. And we're also joined by Jada Griffin. Hello, hello. I'm just dying to know if there are Ninja Turtles in Horizon's future. Like, are they in Forbidden West? All of the outfits are available. Every yes. every Ninja Turtle outfit. Having not like played it, I bet I could answer yes. that question. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like a reasonable yeah. thing, yeah. Until until Sony acquires Nickelodeon, but that's not sort of the uh, the media landscape just yet. Uh, but no, just to sort of set the stage, essentially, um, I've played a bit of it for... Uh, if you haven't already seen it, uh, this is sort of going live at the same time, please go check out. Uh, we have sort of a, a full preview of it, uh, of my general impressions of it. We're going to get... You know, use this show to be able to get into a little bit more detail about things. Uh, but it's a wonderfully edited video by uh, Pat Coughlin, who, you know, just is incredible at everything he touches. And so please go check it out. He did a wonderful edit. Mark, you're also working on a sort of comparison piece uh, mm-hmm. for people to yeah. to check out. Uh, I, I assume by the time you're watching this, it's live. But I don't know. It's not done yet. 
in my world. <laughs> so who knows? <laughs> Things but, could yeah, go very wrong between now and then. <laughs> who knows how the next few hours will look. But yeah, that'll be sort of a comparison to let you see some of what uh, the gameplay in Forbidden West looks like, right, uh, compared to Zero Dawn. Of course, this is uh, in-development footage that, that we're going to be showing you, and you'll see some of this if you're watching the video version. Uh, but just as a heads up, that is, yeah, that's not from the final build of the game or anything. Uh, but yeah, I, I was playing a sort of in-dev build. But yeah, we'll have that and, and some more stuff hopefully coming ahead of that. But uh, for now, I think probably the best and easiest thing to jump into is to sort of explain to you all the gist of what I saw, and then if there are any immediate questions, and then we can sort of like get into the nitty gritty from there. Um, I didn't play the immediate opening of the game. Uh, they hid that from me. I don't know sort of how it opens. Where I started was pretty much right after the, I think, sort of the credits roll. You know, like the opening credits mm-hmm. would roll. We're, we're kind of right there. So I uh, started playing. Aloy is still in, you know, her region, for for lack of a better term. She is not yet made it into the Forbidden West proper. Uh, and, and she's sort of going on to the last cusp of civilization. Uh, sort of a mix of Asaram and, and Karja tribes from, from the original games. They sort of have some settlements out near the border. Uh, and she wants to get into the Forbidden West to go on her journey to help stop this red blight that's infecting the world, figure out what's going on with Silence and whatnot, uh, and hopefully get some answers. But she uh, needs to deal with a couple roadblocks that are in her way there at the beginning. Uh, so I saw all of that, and then they skipped me forward to play a bit of a new area called the Arena, which is uh, an, an optional area, but you'll be a lot able to do some really cool fights and get some really, really cool gear, and I can talk about that a little bit later in the combat section. Uh, but otherwise, I played, I'd say, roughly three and a half hours. I did step foot in the literal titular Forbidden West. I did spend mm. a couple minutes in there. Titular. Um, the titular mm. Forbidden West, if you will. Uh, and I will take me, uh, I, I will say, I'm going to try to save any like story-related stuff till toward the end and keep it still a little bit vague for people who don't want spoilers of that stuff. But I got to see a lot more of the exploration, the combat, some of the new weapons, uh, some of the new settlement stuff that they're working on, uh, some of, you know, just all the systems at work, both new and old, and how they've been refined and improved and whatnot. Uh, and so that's sort of the the big picture of what I saw. But I guess, like, to start off, does anyone have sort of a, like, di- like dying question about it? Lucy, like, I know you were saying this is your most anticipated game. Is there anything, like, you really want to know about? Forbidden oh, West? so, so much <laughs> stuff. But I, you know, I do want to keep the flow of this podcast fairly cohesive. So let's start <laughs> with some exploration stuff. Yeah, um, totally. I, like, I know a lot of our viewers, a lot of people who played the first game um, are very hungry to hear about the climbing. Like, mm. I, I didn't have a massive issue with the climbing in the first game. I think that a lot of people were comparing it to Breath of the Wild because they came out very close together. Um, but, you know, I, I totally understand the criticisms that the climbing in the original was somewhat limited. So is it like Breath of the Wild where you can climb pretty much anything or is it just more sort of open and there are more routes to climb? It is, at least from like what I played in the section that I was in, it's not full Breath of the Wild, every little inch of the world you can grab onto and hook onto and be able to climb. It's not that, and I don't think it's trying to be that in, in any particular way. I've um, always and, felt like, it looked more like Assassin's Creed. Is it more yes. like that? It, I, I would say it is much closer to Assassin's Creed if AC was out in the open more was out in nature more instead of cities as, as sort of like your primary stops, which is more so like how Valhalla and things have been. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see if you're watching some of the gameplay, uh, you will be able to see, uh, you know, climbing points and things like that if you you click in your focus. And even just from, like, a quick few areas, you can see there are a lot more handholds and often several paths. Whereas I think in the first game, like, Lucy, to your point, it... I, for some people, I think it, it also wasn't a problem because it generally didn't ask you to do it too much. They're just, like, if it asked you to do any sort of platforming or climbing in very specific sections, whereas here, I think right. it, it wants to encourage you to be able to go places more. I, Mark, I think I, I you might have mentioned something like this, but at least for me, I, I sort of put it in the preview. There were times where I would see, I knew there was a collectible sort of over a mountain, and I was supposed to go around the mountain rather than over, but I would just kind of like brute force Aloy to jump on yep. rock paths to get her to go because I didn't want to waste the time. <laughs> Everyone knows yeah. that the fastest way from point A to point B is a straight line a straight line and if there's a mountain in your way <laughs> it doesn't matter you go through it's it so true but so he, 
here it feels designed that it's like they know you're going to want to try to get two things more and they want to give you the avenues yeah. to do it. I will say also, if you're watching the video version, um, so basically what you do is the focus works a little bit differently now. When you just click in R3, it does a quick scan of the area around Aloy without putting you into that like slow, over-the-shoulder, like kind of ambling walk that she'll do you can just quick it uh quickly click it in and it'll bring up these yellow sort of lines and and posts we saw a little bit of that in the state of play last year but essentially those will tell you optional places to climb onto and jump onto um and a few things that help it was just right in the video footage for a sec uh, is the pull caster which is really fun to use it's essentially like you activate it by a double jump of pressing an x uh to launch her off of a, a holding spot or to jump off the ground and then press X again and she kind of like grapple hooks and, and zip lines onto a spot. Um, so the yeah. B-roll right there where she was next to a house, can I climb on top of that house? I think there are some you can. I, w- I would restrain to say every house because I did not try. Uh, every house in Dornbush. What were you doing for four hours? I you was, should just be trying to climb everything. I was playing the mini game, uh, board game <laughs> that's in the universe that we can talk about later. But uh, no, so there, there is more to climb. There's more to go to. I will say, sort of like in in settlements, I think they also just thought through building structure better uh, because mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. settlement that I went to. Uh, you can walk in sort of the main entrance. There were like at least, I want to say, three or four exits from that single building to be able to walk around and get out into different parts of the settlement. You never felt like you had to kind of just funnel into one place. Um, so if it was like, oh, I need to go talk to this person on the other side of the brewery, which is the big building in this uh, first settlement, you don't have to walk around it and do this big loop. You can literally just like cut through it. And there's like nice little pathways there. It, it feels like they thought through all that stuff more. So... It, it is not the every inch climbable thing that I think some people want, but that's mostly, I think, because, as you said, Lucy, these games came out a week apart from each other originally, Zero Dawn and Breath of the Wild, and so everyone just put them together. But they are different games. They have a lot of different intentions and a lot of different play styles and things, and I think this works for it as a much closer to Assassin's Creed kind of climbing. But yeah, like as, as you just maybe saw in the B-roll, you're walking th- near um, a, a workbench and some other things Aloy can go to. Uh, I don't think you can necessarily climb every single pole that's right next to those workbenches necessarily, but you can climb a lot more, and it's also much Mark smoother. will try, though. Mark he will try. Will yep. try. Yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. It's like X things you can climb. And Can you climb a tree? <laughs> I I can't wait for your feature of every building you can and can't climb in Horizon Forbidden yeah. West. That, that was actually I, a serious question, though. Can you climb a tree? Uh, There's a lot of trees. Did I climb a tree? Can I I put myself in a tree? I don't know if I did. And that's the thing is, like, even (laughs) in Assassin's Creed, which most people think is, like, fully climbable, it's not, right? There's a lot of, like, times where Eivor will kind of, like, kind of do that whole, like, kick up a wall and then fall back down. And then the same thing with a tree. If a a tree's not meant to be climbable, she can't get up it. And so I'm wondering if if you're going to see a lot of that here where people are going to initially feel like, oh, this is actually more limiting than I thought. And it's like, no, it's right in line with what I would expect when it, yeah. when it comes to a game like that. It, it is so much more freeing than the first game and I think much easier to climb around where you don't feel like – I would say a lot of the paths that you climbed in one, it literally was like one way to go. There were not really options. Mm-hmm. Whereas right. like even here yep. – you can climb to a few different ones. It, it, you know, if you have Aloy sort of angled in a direction, it's not going to cut you off from being able to find a foothold. Uh, the pole caster lets you get to some further away places, which is really nice. And then you can use that in combination with the shield wing, which is the glider. Um, so you you hold a button to launch that after you've jumped off a high point, and you can you can land and and you know uh, grab onto a handhold. You can use it as like a pole caster. Uh, in midair, like you can you can jump to a pole caster spot while gliding. You don't have you're not like just restrained to glide the whole time. So there is a lot more freedom of movement there. Is there so a limitation? Oh, sorry, Jada, you you haven't got that. Yeah, you go ahead, yet. Jada. We, yeah, we're ahead. getting so, right away. <laughs> it's totally fine. You guys are hyped and excited, and I'm happy for you. Um, so technically, in the first one, there were multiple ways you could do things, but it was a little bit like under the radar way to do it. I sure. used to use the, yeah. uh, the mounts like the broadhead or the strider. And they actually were really good about jumping up on yes. cliffs. Yeah. So you could use that. I was going to ask if you were able to do that, if you did any mounted You can. Yeah, I think I was mounted on a charger for a bit. You can still kind of get them to do some hops like that. But I would say I did that most often in, in Zero Dawn to try to fight, essentially, the climbing, like yep. to, to get yep. around mm-hmm. it. Here, it doesn't feel like you need to do that as much, I think, is the thing. It feels like 
the world is more bespokely designed to have places to grab onto, ways to get up perches, uh, and there's a lot more of them in the world. Because I, I spoke to the the narrative director, Ben McCaw, throughout the, the demo, and he was like, we also, you know, thought about the world and, okay, we're letting people be able to get to a lot more of these spots. Both, he said it's a much more vertical game, both in terms of, like, heights of mountains and things and the depths Ooh. of the water. So mm. it, it's going to be a lot more to explore in that case. And he was also saying that allows them to put more things off the beaten path. And, and that's sort of a general mm. thing I'll probably say a lot. But, like, they wanted to make sure that everything you're doing feels more rewarding. Because at the end of the day mm. in Zero mm. Dawn, the rewards could kind of get pretty samey after a while it could feel like there wasn't much reason to do things if you didn't need to and they're really trying to think about how can we get people to want to see more of this world especially because we're creating more world for people to see yeah mm. i i mean i love hearing that they're really focusing on verticality especially with the shield wing yeah just because like you know one of the f- most enjoyable things to do in any video game in any AAA like open world style <laughs> video game is climb up to the tallest thing you can and jump off it right like mm-hmm. that is just mm-hmm. i love doing that that's why i like yeah. the spider-man game so much but like you know i love this idea that we're going to be able to sort of jump off and soar down and just see that environment like i'm already sort of picturing like sailing over some of the bigger machines like yeah. oh i'm getting chills it's, just speaking about i don't that, oh that man i'm gonna be my question is yeah is ahead. there limitations to the shield wing like does it eventually so like in breath of the wild right your stamina eventually yeah, can see yeah, run out true. and you're just like left with mm-hmm. nothing does it like it almost looks like it kind of dissipates so or is that just graphics? not that i noticed without spoiling it i'll say the tech that you're picking up for the shield wing was originally being used for several purposes and um right now i think it is in a at the beginning of the game it's sort of in a state where it can only do so much so oh i see so you can you can make it th- stronger th- theoretically i don't know if that's going to be the case they they kind of wouldn't tease too much about like later game stuff but i I saw it being used in a different fashion so i would not be surprised if you maybe get the chance to use it that way but Mm. um i there was no sort of stamina meter with it as you were going it basically Mm. was just until you kind of hit hit the ground or or pull casted to a spot um and and there was in fact just like speaking to kind of both what you were asking there i like i was gliding for a very long time at one point because when i did step into the forbidden west it did have sort of this like you're on a very high cliff face and the forbidden west is sort of this plane below you and so you do have this kind of wonderful sailing down moment you can kind of just take in the actual forbidden west for the first time and see machines off in the distance see like a bandit camp over here see uh what will be a you know a place to pick up a side quest that i found and and a few things of like ruins of the old world and stuff like that it felt i i would say i like i really love zero dawn i think it's fair to say like the people here who really love zero dawn it was a great game but it could Mm -hmm. like i i would say first and foremost it's open world was built around letting you fight the machines Whereas this field's built around fighting the machines and having a world that feels like a world you want to explore and say, oh, I see those six points there. I want to go get them. It feels like it's really taking the, like, Ghost of Tsushima and, you know, the later Assassin's Creed game sort of mantra of, okay, we can show you six or seven things from this cool vantage point. You should maybe go try and see what those could be. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's rewarding to go to those things. Was there, any, yeah. was there any restrictions? I'm going to jump in. I'm jumping in. Doggy dog out here, Jada. We're just going <laughs> to yeah. talk over one another and the loudest just, person wins. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, was there any restrictions between like the amount of times you could, was it Polecaster, you said, is the, the new grappling hook type thing? Is there yeah. any limit to how many times you could Polecaster, shield wing, Polecaster, shield wing? Mm-hmm. Or if I'm like going along a cliffside and I'm just flying, can I like Polecaster and jump off? And then reshield wing. Not that I can remember. So basically, the polecaster works on specific points. They'll be they'll oh, be okay. denoted by like a, uh, a a different UI pop up essentially. Um, they, gotcha. I think so they look more like a diamond. Yeah. So there there are certain points, but in terms of like. I was shield wing gliding, used my polecaster to jump over to a spot, immediately jumped off of it, shield wing glided again, and there was no sort of like... Shield wang. Limit. What? <laughs> 
Shield Wong. Shield Wong, excuse me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I, <laughs> Use I, the correct term. I'm sorry. I, I it's it's like I write for a living. What am I doing? Uh, and so I shield Wong my way down, and it worked very. well. I don't well. like that. No, go back to the other one. I don't, <laughs> now that so, now that you've used it in a sentence, I hate it. <laughs> everyone out there, in the month before Horizon comes out, we need to make shield Wonging a thing. Uh, I'm sure Gorilla will love it. Uh, but no, so yeah, it didn't feel like there was a limitation there. There are still certain like cooldowns when it comes to the the tech in Aloy's uh, mm. like spear and everything because okay. you could like override uh, a, an enemy like I said I, w- I was riding a charger at one point and it would have like a slight cooldown for, for things like that but in terms of using it it is very possible there was a cooldown and I just wasn't using it frequently enough or didn't spot it but it it wasn't limiting in the examples like of the world that I was playing through As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Check out new episodes Mondays and Fridays for a wide variety of topics and news episodes. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rage on. Mm. Uh, um, So go ahead, Mark. I have a question about the map. Hopefully it yes. still fits in with exploration. So uh, going back to Assassin's Creed, we're talking yes. about Odyssey and Valhalla and then Far Cry 6. Um, you start on what is essentially a mini island in mm-hmm. all three of those games that then expands to this huge open world. Is that what's happening here? Because you're saying that you start, even after the opening... The opening is probably a separate thing, right? And then you uh, yeah. started in this world, and you said you're not in the Forbidden West yet, but that you then eventually got there. Yeah. Is this like a mini map that then eventually becomes a wider map? And if it, so, once you get to the Forbidden West, can you go <laughs> back to the original area? Yes, you could go back. It, it wasn't limited because there is a lot to do in Chainscrape, the the sort of first settlement, and there were even a few like little pockets of, of life around it that I didn't get to go to. Like I played that area for about three and a half hours, and I could I would say roughly you could probably spend at least double in there. Um, doing side quests and, nice. and hunting for things. And that was before really stepping into the Forbidden West. And so I think the the best way to do it, and it, like it's hard to say it without the Breath of the Wild comparison, but it did feel a little bit great plateau-y to the rest of the mm-hmm. open world to a certain extent. It like, was like, the here's this... tutorial island. Tutor- kind of yeah. It, tutorial it, island. Every game has one. It's yep. still connected, and it's still like... Because essentially you are, as we know, I guess spoilers for Zero Dawn, but you are in the contiguous you know, United States, the continental uh, 48 states, and so you mm-hmm. are you are going across that land and it seems like you will be traversing from where zero dawn is, which I, I'm blanking exactly on the state. I want to say Wisconsin or Wyoming. No, it's in Colorado. 
Is it Colorado? Okay, so you're going from, thank you. Um, Colorado, you are going to be traveling. I, I think you, where I was was a little west of Colorado, but you're essentially going to be traveling out to the coast. And so I don't know how big that map will be getting you out there, but this felt like a pretty big, meaty chunk of the game, um, like almost a Frozen Wilds-esque size thing. And I was just stepping out into the Forbidden West. Um, but it didn't limit me from going back, like because you can fast travel back, especially mm-hmm. too, so you don't even have to like climb up all the the points. Um, you can fast travel back, do all the things that you want to do back there, um, and and hang out and in chain scrape or go to the, some of the other settlements. So you're not blocked off. It's not like okay, you go here and then you're done. Um, and again, I don't know how long the beginning of the game before that was. I would I would imagine maybe a couple hours, but. Um, yeah, you're you're not getting into the Forbidden West until a bit further, and it I I don't think that's to say the Forbidden West isn't a big part of the game. I think it is. I think this game is just that big. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I just yeah. Think well, that's a, that's kind of what I'm hoping for is like yeah. playing through Valhalla. You can spend six seven hours in Norway, and that's mm-hmm. nothing. Then yeah. you get on the ship and you go to England, and you're like, oh, I was like nowhere. <laughs> like now, yeah, I'm and I like and so. wasted so much time collecting every <laughs> single like tiny little collectible in the Norway. You're like, this um, map is so easy and small. <laughs> no, nope. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Donna, I've got a yes. question. Did they get rid of the? Thing, remember how like oh yeah, but by the end you had so many. So like, I, of these, I never fast traveled. I do think I was picking up fast Jack travel packs, items. That's right. But I would say, Is that what I, it was, yeah, they're like packs. Um, mm. Like, well, like, you uh, eventually unlock like a the ultimate one where you don't need the to. Yeah, but that's, and, and it felt like that's how that's what it should have been all yeah. along. It I, felt yeah. like limiting it was sort of redundant. I think it's still there, but again, I was playing it in in development like build mm-hmm. it i it literally that might be something you get you know 20 minutes into being in the forbidden west like i i don't know the extent to that but there were i was picking up packs like that but i will say like at least okay. in this area i never felt no the, shade no shade no I no totally curious. i just i never <laughs> yeah. i never felt the need to fast travel while i was in here because i knew there was still so much to see like i was yeah. i was spending so much time doing things and doing things that felt worthwhile that it wasn't a need of mine. If I if I retread some territory, I was like, oh well, there's probably a part I could pick up on the way, or oh, mm-hmm. I found a new type of you know side quest that I had never heard of before that I can do there. There mm-hmm. was usually enough things that, at least on like a first exploration, I never felt the need to fast travel. Hmm. Um, okay, I mean by the end, you know, I imagine, does, yeah, but I get it. I I, um, I would assume by the end we'll probably get a permanent thing if it, if it's not in there pretty early. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've got, okay, I'd love to chat about the settlements, seeing as we've mentioned them a few times. Um, You, you know, in your preview, you said that they were sort of more full of life. Yeah. um, Than the ones in in Zero Dawn. And and I I love hearing that. I mean, I thought the settlements in Zero Dawn were were perfunctory, like they were fine. I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, the Frozen Wilds DLC did a good job at like really painting a picture of a living, breathing settlement with a tribe that I was really interested in. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, you know, super, not super memorable. So like, yeah, I'd love to hear more about the things. Yeah. That, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from, from what I did. And I think speaks to mm-hmm. sort of the, the level of, of things that we were talking about. This is a tangent, but Mark, I know we were talking before the show, like I would say horizon forbidden West is a very beautiful game, but it doesn't feel like, unreal compared to zero dawn like it they mm-hmm. feel very much of like a natural evolution visually and i think that's because one as, as mark you had said like zero dawn already is such a spectacularly beautiful game but two i think where they put their resources were in terms of like depth of animation amount of animation and sort of like the mm-hmm. variety of things going on so like chain scrape is the first settlement that i come into it's sort of a, a border edge settlement between uh, where we are with the Karja and the Asaram, and then, you know, on the on the edge of the Forbidden West. Uh, it was a relatively small town, but everything about it has a lot more life and variety to it. Like, you, I, I'll start with the brewery, but it's like you can go into the brewery, and nearly every table is packed with people having conversations or, like, sharing drinks or food and, and differently animated at sort of almost every table, it felt like. Um, you're getting, you can have like fun little interactions with people as they're walking around. You can have an interaction with like the chef who's there. You can do all these little things. And then there were side pocket rooms as well. 
uh, of some people working because part of chain scrape is that it is you know a working village uh, and so there's some parts of it that were workers rooms some parts that were like a sidebar where i found that board game minigame and and another side quest some were just like storage areas like there was a lot more variety to it rather than it just feeling like here's the one house in the town because then there were you know <laughs> several other stalls outside including really big ones like where i found the workbench and and someone to buy equipment from there were <clears throat> there was a house that sort of the leader of the the settlement is staying at that I could go to and interact with and, and find some things in. Um, and, and you just see like a, a, a wider array of things within a small area. And, and that also means there are more side quests to do and more interesting side quests and more interesting NPCs. The uh, Ben McCaw, the narrative director said they spent a lot of time making sure that there was a lot more life and uniqueness to jumping into these side quests because they understood some people didn't jump into all the side quests of Zero Dawn. They want to make everything here a little more worthwhile. And some of that just comes down to the the writing and the characterization of things. Like a, a big deal for me and, and Lucy, I know that's something that we talked about with Zero Dawn is like, I think there are really, really beloved characters from Zero Dawn. Like obviously Aloy, I think Silence is great. I think a few of the, the side companions are, are really lovable. Aaron. But be- Erend is great, and and Erend mm-hmm. is back here. So is Petra, who is sort of a smaller character, but but pops up here early. There were there were really lovable characters, but because it was introducing this world, it could be very jargon bogged down. Like it could be really about trying to get you into understanding all of the facets of this world. Everyone mm-hmm. here felt so much more human, like kind of instantly. Like the co- the conversations were more natural. I wanted like I wanted to have conversations with everyone, whereas sometimes I could feel like conversations in Zero Dawn were the things I needed to do to get to the quest. Mm-hmm. Here it was like the conversations. I love hearing that, especially because like I thought Aloy and Ashley Birch um, as her voice actress did such a good job at like you know Aloy felt like such a fully fleshed out character to me. She was so endearing. She's very charismatic, and she you know she. She spoke in such a sort of like colloquial way. I, I, you know, she never felt like the sort of the the ghost protagonist. Like she yeah. felt very real to me. She mm-hmm. felt very sort of you know, um, yeah, three dimensional. Yeah, and so it's really nice to hear that some of the you know the other characters are going to be able to match that it, level of that that humanness. Yeah, it, it feels like it rubbed off human, on them. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, there's there's several interaction with both Erend and and Varl, who also returns, and Petra, and then like new new characters who there's there's a lot of levity to it. It's not like mm-hmm. Horizon is mm-hmm. suddenly a comedy, but what I did notice was just how <laughs> affable it was. The conversation sometimes, and I think you'll see it in the, some of the the cutscenes and things playing on on the video version. A thing for me with a lot of Zero Dawn's conversations, it's not everyone, but I would say the vast majority were close-up of a person talking, close-up of a person talking, back and forth, and then maybe occasionally a cutaway to more of their body. Mm-hmm. Here, I would say the the majority of the conversations were more lively, more uniquely animated, more bespoke to those characters, more, more you know, like personal touches to all of it. And so that that made me have these conversations where sometimes... I, you know, in the base game, I would maybe click through because I'm like, okay, I don't need this. I wanted to hear kind of what everyone was saying. I mean, if you're watching the video version, look at this woman. She's got some swagger on her. (laughs) So that's just... (laughs) <laughs> that's a side character you, some people may have missed also in Zero Dawn. That's Petra. She comes back and very much, I think, clearly has a crush on Aloy. Uh, and oh, yeah. they're back oh, and Oh, that's yeah, Petra. That's oh, Petra. my goodness. It's yeah. been a minute. Okay. No, no, okay. totally. It, yeah, I totally yeah. understand. It's been a few years. And it's mm. like just them immediately coming together again was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about Petra. They're, they are so great together. And even like Aaron, his sort of like warmth and humanity, but he's also like without spoiling it at a very unique point in his relationship with Aloy because she went and did her big, you know, she, she saved Meridian and then kind of just went off immediately. And he was dealing with all of his like personal family issues and, you know, um, his sister, I believe it was, and, and so much else that he was going through and she just kind of left. And so that puts them in a, a unique place. This game, I think what I was playing at least is roughly, I think six hours after the end of zero dawn, six months, six, not six hours. Jesus, six months, six months. Ah. Wow. Um, but like yeah. she didn't even get to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It just was right into the, no. Yeah. So six months after. So, uh, you, you did get to pick up with some of these new characters. There were some, some really, uh, new engaging characters as well. Um, I would say, you know, just in terms of that sort of, uh, stiffness that could kind of happen in the first game. There's almost a, a character in here, a sun priest, um, who almost feels like one of those, he is the, 
you know, stodgy bureaucrat who refuses to act outside of the the ways that he knows uh, because he wants to be the important person and sort of has this like, look at me, pay attention to me, and I'm going to act in this refined way. Always referring to like his scrolls and stuff. And Aloy is just, nah, I'm just going to get this done so I don't have to deal mm-hmm. with you. And there's like a lot of very funny interactions in that way where Aloy is basically like, oh, these people in power are just too obsessed with like bureaucracy and red tape and things, and I'm just going to get this done because I know I need to save the world. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the only other, I guess, character thing, I know we're jumping around here, but the only other character thing I want to mention is I did see the introduction. I think it's the introduction of Regala, the, the new villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do not want to spoil the moment and how it plays out and you won't see it play out in, in full. You'll maybe see like 20 seconds at most in the, in the B roll. Uh, it is such a cool villain entrance. It is a total show. Don't tell of like, here is the the power that Regala wields and here is the way she is going to wield it. And here is the like unremitting, I am going to see my point of view through, uh, mm. and, and sort of sets her up as really a powerful foil for, for Aloy. That's different in a way from, you know, the, the back and forth she and silence, uh, eventually ended up having, having, and I didn't really get to see where silence plays into this, but mm-hmm. yeah, the, the introduction of Regala made me go like, okay, this is going to be an awesome villain. Like I was very, very happy about that sort of introductory sequence. Well, she's voiced by Angela Bassett, right? Yes. Yeah. And she said just a couple words, but it was immediately just like, Oh God, it's the power of Angela Bassett. Like I, <laughs> I have to fight Angela. Oh God. Um, I mean, that woman's a queen. That woman, she deserves that type of, Oh like, yeah. Just like that gravitas. She just commands it. It, mm-hmm. it felt, yeah, it felt befitting of, Angela Bassett as an actress, but also befitting of like mm. making this character an actual force to be reckoned with. Because I don't know, villains villains can be hit or miss in video games a lot. Like I've been playing through the original mm-hmm. Uncharted trilogy, and and the Lazarevich and things like that can often be you know kind of miss the mark. One sided, yeah. Uh, here it felt like one we're going to get to see and and understand a lot of Regala because she's sort of a known force in the world to right. to the Forbidden West tribes. Uh, but we're also going to get some really, really great scenes with her. So that was that was really promising. But yeah, on the whole, uh, characters, the world, the settlements itself were really fun. Um, I picked up a couple side quests. There was one for Petra I picked up, one from these two new characters who will be apparently like recurring characters throughout the game. They gave me a new weapon type. Uh, and and as I mentioned, I played the board game. There was another sort of mini game outside of town. I can go into like 12 different directions, I guess. Is there anything any of you particularly want me to jump into, though? So uh, I'm curious, because yes. it's six months after Horizon Zero Dawn. Does Aloy still have any of her gear, or is this a Metroid situation where we've lost everything, we're starting fresh? Like, do I have, like, do I still have my shield weaver armor? No, is the you. <laughs> you have you have one like standard armor that she has, and then uh, a bow and arrow. At least when I started, uh, and again, okay. I'm I'm missing the introduction of the game, so I truly That's do true, not know right. you know where what they in those exp- six months she encountered like this machine that like Broke blew all this fire and just burned all her clothes off and all her armor. <laughs> yeah. if, I, if I had to guess, she encountered death and he zapped her and all her <laughs> items just went away. <laughs> She's like, no, my inventory uh, and. <laughs> Suddenly, yeah, I, you don't one-shot every skeleton you see. You just, you're a weak little Alucard. Uh, but yeah, it's I. so I don't know how that gets explained away. I assume there's some explanation to it, because she is going around, and everyone knows her as the savior of Meridian. Like, she is looked at as a an important figure in this world, so I'm sure there's But I love some... this idea, despite that she's starting off with a wooden shield and a stick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it, it would be like Someone if Link went through Someone robbed her in the middle of the night? <laughs> yeah. I got to assume that, yeah, there was a crazy robbery that happened or something. I don't know. But so anyway, okay. you click the lock. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, stop. I was supposed to close that door. I thought it was just open for everyone. Um, but no. So she starts out with a pretty sparse inventory. I had sort of a standard uh, arrow. I, I gained, at least in this area, uh, by the story, I gained a trip caster. So there was a trip caster that you get through the through the story beats. Uh, there was a new javelin thrower that I got through one of the side quests, um, and that's a like really powerful. Essentially, you launch a javelin and it sticks in an enemy, and then after a little bit of time, it explodes. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I that's had cool. I had one of those, and what, what's cool about it is, and, and the lo- this is sort of a very short version of it, but there will be a lot more quests that ask you to get specific parts from different machines. But some machines you can only get those parts if you shoot them off before they die. 
Um, yep. And so you really need to balance, like, using that weapon will kill an enemy very quickly, but it will cause parts to get destroyed. So you need to kind of, like, risk-reward what you're using in combat in that way. Um, if we if we rewind, like, the combat chat just a little, you yes. did mention that um, melee is a lot more satisfying this yes. time around. Yeah, yeah. So, which, like, I really want to touch on because yeah. I basically don't remember using... I, I, don't, I don't think I used <laughs> melee at all in the original that I can really recall. Yeah, so there's... I, I guess a way that helps is, uh, as opposed to the first game where it was those three and then four with the DLC, I think, rather limited skill trees, mm-hmm. uh, there are six different skill trees now that are much bigger. Um, so I think they all have at least like 20 or so, you know, like in that range uh, of skills to acquire. And some are returning ones like slowing down time as you're aiming. Some are like aiming arrows so that they, they can do kind of one of those arcs that rains things down on enemies. Some are the valor surges that we've seen uh, Aloy do in, in some of the gameplay videos. And there's a whole bunch of others. But so, uh, you know, one of the skill trees is warrior, which is more like combat and melee and, and attack focused in that way. Uh, and you also will have a variety of melee pits. There's one in Chainscrape and then more in the West that will help train you up on specific ways to use uh, the new melee stuff. And I, I guess just to start, part of what really helps the melee in my mind is that the animations are are smoother and better connected, mm-hmm. where it doesn't feel like doing an attack is either locking her into an animation for too long or mm-hmm. is not really connecting to the thing she just did. So like a quick melee attack to like holding a charge melee attack to doing a dodge, all of that feels a lot smoother and easier to navigate in the midst of a fight and doesn't feel like it's a, a hindrance rather than a thing you you actually want to use. You do want to use it. Um, and, and so that just helps for minute one where the animation is much smoother. But... Uh, I I would say you get the ability sort of with R2, it's a lot easier to do like a charged up heavy attack and also direct it so you can hold that down and then pretty easily go in whatever direction you need to. But a cool thing that you can do with your, your staff is do a lot of quick hits and it'll eventually charge up your staff's like innate power. And if you then do a heavy attack... And, and it nails an enemy in the right way, uh, you essentially get to do a thing that's called a resonator blast, and it essentially causes like part of their armor to be supercharged with all that energy. And so then if you use that in combination with an arrow, you will cause a massive like explosion of damage on them. Uh, and mm-hmm. so it's better integrated into the West, rest of her arsenal, too, is I think a really important thing. Um, what was that weird boomerang thing? It, like, yeah, she, like, that's threw what I was going to ask. And then like, stuck to him, and then oh, she it was like a, yeah, yeah, this it was one like right a, here it was in like the video. A top. Yeah. Yes. So that is a yeah. spinning disc. I think. Um, apologies, Kate. But if you if you're somewhere in this footage, you may be able to see the name of it because I'm blanking uh, when she pulls up her reticule. Uh, but you, this is essentially a new weapon I only got to use in the arena, which we can talk about as well. Uh, that uh, you know the the I'm blanking on the name of them, but the arrows that you would use to kind of resonate and cause armor to fall off. The terrible ass. Thank the you. Disruptor. Yeah. Um, I think there was Disruptor Blast is also I think one of them so you basically get to uh, use this kind of like I'm just going to say it Beyblade spinner top of a gear that you (laughs) throw at the enemy and it uh, it essentially can like lodge in them and do a bunch of that that type of damage specifically Um, Mm. so it's more of a like use that as a finessed kind of like sustained damage option Um, and and some of them have I think different elemental types and, and, and whatnot but so those are really cool, and yeah, as you can see, they, they kind of boomerang back to you as well. Um, it was a really satisfying weapon to use. I only used it against the Slitherfang uh, in the arena, because it, it was only available in that portion of the game. But yeah, there's a more a bigger variety of weapons. I think at one point on the Reticule 2, she just had also more space for weapons to be equipped at any one time. It wasn't just four. There, there were at least yeah. five or six, I want to say. Uh, I saw two new elements in terms of items. You can see some of it in the gameplay, but there's Acid, which... Amusingly, you want to use acid arrows on acid enemies. So like an enemy that has an acid canister, you want to shoot that with an acid arrow because that causes essentially like a chain reaction. Of Yeah, I was going to say, because they're not like biological creatures. Exactly, so. yeah. So they're not, yeah. it, it, the acid kind of needs to work together to cause a bigger explosion. And then there's also mm-hmm. plasma, which is a new thing that I only used in the arena for a bit, so I don't know every little bit of how it works, but some things will be weaker to plasma. It can sometimes do sustained damage over time. It's, a, it's just another way to like integrate more elemental variety. Um, but yeah, all, all of that stuff worked much better. Um, the javelin throw is really powerful and really satisfying to use when it explodes. Um, and, and just, 
I, I would say I felt like I had to use combinations of things a lot more. Whereas in the base game, I kind of relied on the same two to three weapons. I mm. used so much more of a suite of things throughout here. Um, well, yeah, just and, seeing this gameplay, it's like you you almost... I, obviously, this is like kind of like to show this, off how cool the combat is. But at the same time, it's like you feel like everything she's doing is necessary. And you don't see her repeat a move like almost ever. It's yeah, She's just using her entire arsenal. Super yeah, cool. so the, the Slitherfang fight, the only time I, I fought one was in the arena. And this is when I've been looking forward to fighting the most. It's the big snake one. Uh, it, it looks so cool. And it's a really, really powerful kind of unwieldy enemy. Because it's its tail is going all around. And like it can it can shoot, you know spray and things from its mouth it can do bite attacks from its mouth but it can also whip you with the tail it can cause electrical charges in the ground to go off from the tail and then sort of electrocute a big chunk of the the arena space that you're in uh it has a bunch of different scent like weak points but also very secure points that it'll it'll try to like get in your way so that you're not using and it can do this thing where it's basically just burrowing in and out of the ground. It's a really, really fun boss fight. Like this was one I was hoping would be cool and unique. And and this was sort of, and I know Lucy, this is something we, we talked about when you first reviewed Zero Dawn was like the, the Jurassic Park of it all, like the wonder and awe, but also the like, mm. I shouldn't mess with this thing. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> granted, I, I, I love that. I love that. But I also like, I really want to chat to you about yeah. Arena. Yes. Um, yeah. And you know we, we've been we've been looking at a lot of uh, footage. If you're watching the video version of yeah. Arena, like gameplay and sort of like how what it looks like, I'm I'm sort of, I'm curious because I did love the Jurassic Park esqueness of the original, but a lot of that came with um, the unexpected totally discovery side of it right like i yeah. loved going into the world and seeing those creatures like it's it, you know it's it's very from software sort of like oh god you know i can't fight that yet i accidentally stumbled across something huge that's terrifying i'm getting a huge ad- adrenaline rush i got to like go level up and 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 get better before i you know and and i i guess my my one concern with the arena is yeah is that going to take away some of that element of discovery because all of the machines have been, you know, somewhat tamed and and are now being introduced in this more kind of like uh, structured way. I I would say if it was something you mainlined and you just go through every arena challenge possible, the the way the arena was set up for me was they jumped me a bit further into the game. Like it's it's a later thing in the game. It is an optional Mm. part of the game. Um, so it's sort of optional, op- but optional in that way. Like you probably want to do it because you, do. you want the best. Yeah, it has some of the best. Weapons. Yeah, it has some of the best rewards in the game. I think so. Like they, uh-huh. you'll want to do it. But I do think, I I, I I'm remiss because I didn't ask this question. But I would be shocked. I don't think the intention is the the arena is the first time you encounter the Slitherfang. I think oh, they I very gonna, much just right. I think I they ask, wanted. I can me. picture it yeah. being this thing where it's like, hey, you fought this, and now it's in your, you know notebook your beat theory so now it's in the arena yeah see that makes a lot more sense because i definitely want to encounter like these cool machines out in the wild first right yeah i and i do think there is like because we've seen a slither fang in the wild in one of the trailers so i i i think you know this is a little bit behind the scenes but i think it was essentially they wanted me to see the arena to get a sense of that this was a feature in the game and to understand it a little bit more for people but i don't think the intention was showing it to me to say this is the way you'll fight the slither fang and the only way you'll fight it because it is mm-hmm. such a cool monster to to be able to fight a machine to fight and so uh i i think it is i, I wouldn't worry that you won't be able to discover things out in the wild because like even just the, those few minutes i spent in the forbidden west like gliding off the edge and just seeing the field around me, I could see, you know, some of them were shrouded in, in fog. So I didn't exactly see them from that high vantage point, but it was like, Oh, I see a group of machines over there. Oh, there's some other machines over there. Oh, there's a bandit camp there. I like, you will discover things just out in the wild still. And I think even more so in this game. So this was more just to kind of give me a sense of this being a big new feature, uh, because essentially each arena fight you will need to complete in under a time limit to get mm-hmm. the medals that you can then spend on the reward. So you can beat them, mm. but if you don't beat them under the time limit, uh, you need to redo it essentially to be able to do that. So you really need to be, as as Mark was saying, like not repeating yourself, like using everything to your benefit as much as possible because you are going to need these medals uh, if you Zero. want want the best stuff. Go ahead. I feel Jane. like with the the arena, I feel like if they would have done a kind of a cool aspect of adding traps, kind of like a la Monster Hunter, 
to where you can actually trap the creatures before sending them off to the arena. I feel like I that was that. a cool element. I that love cool. that, Jada. That's really cool. And so, so I will I will say at least like in terms of the arena, before you jump in, and it is worth talking about this um, in terms of the combat and the focus as well, mm-hmm. before you jump in, you're essentially on a platform and the fight doesn't start until you jump down. So you do have a moment to scan mm-hmm. the arena at least and, and see what's ahead of you, know what enemies you have to deal with so you're, that you're not going in and just, you know, good luck or, or lose a fight to be able to understand it they want you to be able to to have a leg up at least and uh oh, an- oh no i was saying like before they oh yeah the get to no the arena, I- like being able to trap them okay i was totally. sure yeah no I, I totally got what you mean just to say like you you yeah. will get a ability to do that but you also you know i don't think there is trapping i'm going to say i did not see it and i don't yeah. think it is in there but a cool thing that you can do now is um, cause as I mentioned, like specific parts are going to be more important, things like that. Uh, a cool little thing that the focus does now, which is a small element, but I think a really big change is that when you're scanning, uh, a machine, you can just use the D pad to go between each part rather than having to like slowly move R3 around to try to nail. <laughs> yeah. To slowly pan, but then miss it. It now just sort of like auto soft As locks. It's moving around and you're like, no, I'm trying to get your stomach. And it's like, nope. Exactly. So it'll do that. And then you can now also specifically target and highlight that part. So when you go back into combat, it's still highlighted. So rather than just have, nice. you know, like the whole enemy lit up in your focus view, you can have a bespoke item that you know you're going to need as your focus and be able to hone in on that. And so it's a small little thing, but it's like one of those touches. Same with like, you know, if Aloy runs out of space, she now has a stash of an inventory that she can access in settlements and you can just reload oh, or restock cool. from there. Nice. Uh, with with health items, you know how you could collect health uh, herbs. you know, herbs out in the mm-hmm. environment, you would, you would hit a max point. Uh, and so there is still here. You only, at least at this point in the game during the, the opening settlement area, I could only hold 10, but the second mm-hmm. I could, I could still collect them and they would just go back to the stash. And then if you just hold down on the D pad, it refills your inventory of those. So you could collect 60 of them. And it's not an issue. You don't have to like worry about not picking things up. So it again, it's just like small refinements. Um, you know, equipment. You you now do updates at workbenches. You can also like craft uh, outfits there and do all these things. Uh, and and outfits now also have boosts and stat buffs that correlate directly to specific skills you can unlock. So if you were really honing in on like wanting the warrior skill tree or wanting the machine master skill tree or something, you can wear certain armor that will specifically help stats in, in certain areas as well. So things are also working together a lot more as well. Nice. Um, um, in terms of the new machines that you fought, yes, or that you saw, I guess in this demo, uh, you fought the Bristleback and the Slitherfang. Yes. Um, did I mean you know what did Sony sort of like in previews like this? They're not going to show all their cards, right? Like they're going to keep a few of the big ones behind closed doors for players to to discover did you get the vibe that like that was the case that there were plenty more yeah (laughs) it felt like i was really just seeing the beginning like right it was obviously amazing to see it but it did feel like one of those things that it felt like sony was preserving for me but also for everyone else out there who's gonna you know Mm -hmm. hear this coverage like I think there are going to be very big and cool fights. Uh, you know, obviously we've seen the Trevor Tusk in the, in the state of play. We know the Slitherfangs out in the wild. Um, I saw a, a decent mix of old and new. So there were like scrappers and chargers, uh, as well as these new bristlebacks were, which the big thing for them is sort of, they have the acid canisters that you want to really take advantage of, mm-hmm. um, and, and explode in the right ways. Um, I also saw a new sort of like watcher level type called the burrower. Uh, and they, they sort of act like the watchers of the group, like they're prowling the territory and, and sort of doing that kind of, uh, you know, watching. But they can literally burrow, so they can, like, hop underground and kind of hide from you so you might miss them on the battlefield and they can, like, spring up and surprise you. They can Ooh, send I out hate these, them already. <laughs> they can send out these reverberating sound blasts at you that kind mm-hmm. of, like, disrupt the, the look of the screen for a little bit, like one of those sort of, like, screen shake kind of things happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, like, a, a fun twist on something that we know and again that's not like a big enemy type but it's it's a new one and it does offer something unique same with the bristlebacks which feel like chargers to a certain extent but do have new elements you need to contend with do have different pieces you'll need to acquire uh and then yeah i fought the slitherfang in in the arena but i am sure you will encounter those 
in the out, you know, the rest of the world. And again, like it did really, really feel. And and Ben McCaw even said this a few times in the interview is like, we we showed you a decent chunk of the game. Like you, there is still so much to be seen. Like there is a ton more. Because I again, I saw 15, 20 minutes of the actual Forbidden West and didn't get to like the next major stopping point. So I really, really feel like it just kind of started the adventure there. I'm like, I'm like one of those terrible people, you know, in the Jurassic World movies where they keep like creating bigger dinosaurs <laughs> because the cr- the crowd isn't satisfied with a T-Rex anymore. That's yep. me. Like yep. I would have been that, that idiot that's like, no, T-Rex is boring. And like, <laughs> I feel like that's what I want to see in this game. Like I just want bigger and I, I think we'll see that in bigger and more more creative because there is nothing mm-hmm. like the way the Slitherfang moves in the first game. Like, it is just so unlike anything else. And so I think, I genuinely do it think, and it felt like this, and this is not just me being like, don't worry, guys. I do genuinely think <laughs> there's going to be a lot more that we haven't seen when it comes to the sort of variety of machines that we'll fight. And uh, yeah, I like, I can't wait to see more of them. This was really a, like, uh, you know, it's easy to get burnt out in the lead up to a game, uh, even just by the trailer pushes for for games and things like that, and certainly playing a, a big enough chunk like this, I was worried a little bit. It'd be like, okay, well, I feel like I've seen Forbidden West. I get the picture. It it really was sort of that like, oh, can you just leave me here to play for another four or five hours? Because I like I know everything else in this area I want to do, and then whatever else is beyond this, I can't wait to play. So yeah, it was a really really promising first look. I think it's one of those like, if you were worried that this was gonna somehow be like a a small take on Horizon or not like a fully fledged thing, it it is. It is it is massive. It is it is a really, really big, exciting experience with a lot of potential. And I think uh, the best way I can describe it is like it is not going to change your mind in terms of what you think of Horizon. Like it's not uh a totally different game. It is very much built on the foundation of what worked so well in that first game. And there was a lot that worked well. Like really, really well. Oh but, so good. But I, I think thought, I mean I reviewed it. Like Horizon yeah, exactly. Zero Dawn was incredible Um, yeah yeah it was amazing and so it's such a great foundation and so then i think this is really about refining and improving and just deepening that experience and it feels like that's what they've done like every little thing about horizon that i did have nitpicks about like i was saying like you know brute forcing over environments or sort of like the stiff conversations those are not make or break things but they they Mm -hmm. add up if you start to think about all of them it almost felt like every little thing i saw in this demo was like oh i that was a thing i didn't love as much in the first game and now i like more (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and so yeah that was kind of the like the feel of it was oh this is everything i love her about horizon and better uh in in a way Mm. that got me really really excited to see it because it is it's such like a brand new territory that we're going to jump into and i there's a lot more a lot more feels rewarding like i was saying i know i've said that a few times but it genuinely did feel that way Mm. um it felt a lot more rewarding to do everything uh and yeah i like I think that's the the big picture of it b- without me repeating myself too much. But yeah, it's it's really, really exciting. And again, like I didn't even see anything underwater. I didn't go to an underwater was, part of the game. Oh, yeah. And that's that was literally nice. my next question. I was yeah. going to see, I was like, how was the underwater traversal and potential combat? But I didn't even see, see any of it. And, and it's not because I think like it was there and I missed it. I feel like I probably would have seen it. I think it was just because there was so much to see in this opening and they, they are... Uh, from the few co- few interviews I've done, it seems like they are kind of doing a, not a slow burn, but like a rollout of each new addition to the game so that you don't get totally overwhelmed at the start. It's not going to just be, here's every literal new thing possible. It's going to be yeah, it's, gradually introducing. This state of play footage that we're watching kind of is this like 16 minute like highlight reel of every single thing in the game. But it's like, I imagine... This isn't the moment to moment where it's like suddenly you're above, you're below, you're fighting 17 different creatures at once. Like it, it's more spread out and more you yeah. know, easier to take in. Like if this were the intro of the game, I think I would have been embarrassed and apologizing the whole time because I probably would have kept dying because it just goes, there's so much <laughs> right. happening. Oh yeah, this, this is this is very, very orchestrated. Exactly. Right. Right so now, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a lot more freeing as you go and and i think you're going to want to it's not going to feel like okay i need to get from point a to a very far point b it's going to be the like the thing the best open world games do which is i'm going to go to point b but there's going to be 10 things along the way that are are going to stop me and i'm going to be entertained by those things it feels like it has Um, that potential before we wrap up like i do just really want to quickly touch i mean like the 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 driving through line of the story in horizon zero dawn was this mystery right 
this big like mystery of what is this world and 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 etc uh and then silence is still around we don't know what he's up to um but there's this you know is that is that sort of the the, the red light or whatever we're calling it yes. is that the sort of main thrust of the mystery in this game essentially and and there's some quotes from uh macaw about it sort of in in my wider preview piece but yeah essentially she sets off on this journey to find answers and figure out how to try to essentially save humanity from another apocalyptic extinction uh the red blight seems to be spreading and, and potentially you know damaging the land and being this destructive force uh but as she's going through she is also navigating the sort of political and, and socio uh, relationship things at play with all these tribes. So not just just the Karja and Asaram, but uh, you're gonna the two new tribes that uh, Bemaka mentioned are the Tanakh, which is actually a like three part tribe. Like they have three different sort of unique branches that you'll meet and encounter, and they all behave very differently. And then the Utaru tribe, which is I think a little bit more in the mountainous region, if I'm not mistaken. And so you're also going to be you know involved in a lot of their smaller stories as well, and and really be able to dig into those things. But it is kind of going to be about how Regala also fa- factors into all of this because she's essentially a rebel from the Tanakh. Tanakh tribe. And so she is kind of this chaotic force that's in the midst of this. She obviously has machine control, which I think like if you know Zerodon, you know a character who might be involved with things like that. Mm-hmm. It's not crazy to say. But yeah, a, a thing that I really noticed, I spoke to both Macaw and then senior writer on the game, Annie Katane, before the last story trailer. And they were like, mystery is a really, really core foundation of the Horizon universe. And yes, we have uh, Aloy's lineage and the fact that this is built on America as like solved mysteries, but there's going to be a lot more mystery to set up and not just things that Aloy will need to discover that maybe the player might have a guess at, but they're like, we're going to really introduce some exciting stuff that they haven't shown at all. Um, and so, awesome. you know, I think on a story level, it's sort of a good impetus for getting her out there. And, and Aloy is very sure-headed and very sort of confident that she is the one who needs to do this. She doesn't want to get her friends in danger. She doesn't want to do this. So that that is also a big thing. They said companions are going to be a bigger deal. Uh, Aloy's relationships with people are going to matter a lot more because she's sort of going at this thinking, I need to do this. I need to be the one to live up to my you know, clone mother. I need to be able to be the person to save the world. And how she interacts with a lot of those people, both who care deeply for her, like Erend and Petra, new people, new friends, new enemies, is going to be a very big deal, they said in the game. So yeah, I'm and based on the interactions I saw in this first part, it's it it's very well written. It's very entertaining. It's very heartwarming and sad and funny. Like it really nailed a lot of different tones in a in a small space that yeah. I I've been going in being like, yeah, I'm really excited for the Horizon sequel. I loved one. I can't wait. But playing it was like, oh, I'm going to lose it probably 100 hours in Forbidden West and be very, very happy about it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I can't wait for. Well, I guess my final question would be, the uh, in Horizon Zero Dawn, there was a lot of just like, you're in this like jungle, right? And then every so often, it's like this in Death Stranding as well, you would then stumble upon something that would remind you that this is a post-post-apocalyptic world, right? Your waterfalls and lakes and all this like tribal stuff, and then a school bus or a streetlight. <laughs> yeah. And from what we've seen from Forbidden West, it seems like there's more of that because it was in in Zero Dawn. Like I said, there was it was very it was in specific sections you would find like a structure and then it's like Mm -hmm. there's your street lights there's your school bus and i know you go to like a stadium at one point is it more littered throughout this world or is it the same kind of deal not saying that this is a bad thing but is it the same kind of deal where you would forget that you're in the real world technically i would say in the area i saw it was a little lighter like there wasn't a oh here's you know the uh, the Las Vegas strip that I've stumbled upon necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think there will be more of it because just, you know, based on the interviews I've had, th- that was a big mystery at the end of the day. Like you don't really find out until you read some side stuff or really understand toward the later end of the game that you are in America. Like you are literally in a specific yep. part of America. We saw a lot of San Francisco in the state of play footage, right? Exactly. So I think they're playing sort of with the idea that that's an open secret now and mm-hmm. they can be more interesting with that stuff. I don't think it's going to suddenly be, here's a landmark every 20 steps, but like, 
I ran by a lot more kind of dilapidated housing that looked like it was from our era and just kind of let waste away. Uh, there's a new a new side quest thing called Vista Points, where essentially you'll get like your focus will get information from a uh, like a radio tower from our our time and it corresponds to a location in the world, but all you have is sort of a fragmented image that shows up on your focus in front of you. Those, so it's sort of those like were that. in the original. Were the, well, did you have to that, line them that's, up? Yeah, that's that's basically if I if I'm remembering correctly, I might that's be forgetting what you that. did, and that's that's how <laughs> you discovered that it's in Colorado. Is oh, you would is eventually okay. like you like look through your focus and you could see like the Rocky Mountains. And stuff then like I'll that. say that it, it felt at least that this was like more of a part of the experience then. This was like okay. a thing you're going to be doing more repeatedly, I guess it's fair to say. Sorry, it, it's nice. been a while since I did those quests and you, I, you definitely know the game. five anyway. years old and I really can't <laughs> believe that. But like, yeah. when you yeah. think about it, I'm like, oh, this is basically coming out on its fifth anniversary. Like, it's insane yeah. because I feel like it's still somewhat new. So. But so yeah, that essentially came up much earlier, and I think the the interactions of Aloy with the old world uh, is going to be a bigger deal throughout the game, essentially. So yeah, I, I think that probably best answers that. But um, cool. yeah, long and short of it is, I really really enjoyed it, and I can't wait till we all get to talk about it in full uh, in in just about a month, in less than yeah. a month now, when Horizon comes out. Um, thank it is going to be born. Perfect, perfect timing. timing. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they sleep a lot. Yeah, so, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, the the sounds of a Slitherfang hissing in death as you destroy it won't wake them up, I assume. Um, but no, thank you all for indulging me and in, in just word vomiting all this information about Horizon. Um, hopefully, thank you, Dorno. I've learned so yeah. much. Like yeah. this has been so great. I've looked through the footage so much, and yet I, I mm-hmm. it, there's so much that it doesn't tell you. So yeah. and and this this conversation, I, I I'm the same as you. I went from being very excited to extremely very excited (laughs) no it's it's one of those things where it's like okay yeah i i was really confident in that team and obviously zero dawn was amazing but this feels like really horizon coming into what the promise of that first game was kind of showing you it could be this is the real like delivery of that so it's going to be really exciting it's probably going to take a lot of hours to dig through so i'm really excited to kind of find everything else out past this introductory sequence that we're going to get once the the full game launches but uh, as i mentioned there's my preview up on ign and youtube you can go check that out uh check out mark's comparison video We're, we're working on a few other things as well so go check all of that stuff out uh if you want more details about what I saw from Horizon Forbidden West. And, like, and if you want to catch yes. up on uh, Zero Dawn's story, because yes. it has been five years, we will have a video for you to watch as yes. well. Yeah, we're, we're making sure everyone is prepped because yeah, you can mainline Zero Dawn between now and Forbidden West, but also if you're playing all the other games coming out in February, we understand, and hopefully our video can help you. Um, but Mark, Lucy, and Jada, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Uh, a reminder to out there, to everyone listening, we will have a normal episode beyond this week as well. So uh, fear not if Sony decides to also acquire Activision somehow and then they have to duel in court. We'll be sure to talk about it on the show. Uh, but whatever else happens in the world of PlayStation, we'll, we'll cover it later this week on Beyond. But thank you again to all three of you for joining me. Thank you to Kate behind the scenes for making this episode happen. And thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching. We hope you're doing well. We hope you're staying safe. And as always, Beyond. 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 Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye. Bye.